Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. Final segment, final thoughts today. Uh, if you missed earlier in the program, uh, we had a great conversation with Tim Shriver uh, from Unite.org. And he's involved in just some really fascinating stuff that uh, we're going to continue to follow. And it fits with a lot of the conversations we have here on this program every day. And a lot of it has to do with this whole idea about contempt, uh, this belief in the worthlessness of another person. And that whole idea uh, is what's fueling a lot of the division in the country. And I don't think we're nearly as divided as we think we are. Uh, If you missed that segment of the program, you can go pick up the podcast at uh, kslpodcast.com later on this afternoon when that posts. Uh, And it's worth a conversation because, interestingly, this idea of contempt uh, doesn't just stick around the political angle of things. It seeps into our homes, into our marriages, into our relationships, into our communities, into our businesses. Uh, And it's something that we all need to think about. And And the question is, are we addicted to contempt? And are we addicted to division? Uh, Tim shared with us the the fact that he has formed a a little experimental group uh, called Dividers Anonymous. And really looking at, are we we addicted to this? Separating, pointing fingers, placing blame, using the language of they and them and those guys and those people, uh, always as a division, always as an excuse, and always with a great deal of contempt. And so words have meaning. The meaning matters. And how we go about it and how we break this cycle uh, and restore dignity to our conversations and elevate our dialogue, uh, you know, is something that matters to me a great deal. And it's something I think about on a regular basis because we we have to get that right. Because if we don't get that right, everything else is kind of window dressing. Because if we don't have a core in our society that we value the differences, that we celebrate the differences, doesn't mean we have to agree This is not about kumbaya and group hugs. Uh, It's also not just about a positive attitude. This is not about glasses that are half full, half empty, or rose-colored. It's about how we talk to each other and communicate with each other. Uh, We've been talking about this idea of speaking with excellence. Uh, I've I've looked at a lot of words in my day. (laughs) I've listened to a lot of speeches, a lot of bad speeches. Uh, I've heard some really good ones. I've written a few. And there are a few things, I think, that are more inspiring than a good one. But sadly, in our soundbite kind of world and our demonizing and weaponizing of words, where we demonize our opposition, we weaponize their words against them, we use pejoratives to describe who they are or what they think or believe, all of that creates just sort of this sensory overload kind of speaking as opposed to meaningful deep, significant, even transformational speaking. We're we're losing our ability to influence and be influenced by words. 
So for me, a great speech, especially as we look towards the fall, where we will hear a lot of political speechifying, it's important to look at those words. And how do you create an experience that leads to transformation, a transformation of thought, an elevation of ideas? Some speeches uh, I have found over the years are, are better read than said. And while others are more powerful to the ear than they are to the eye, uh, I'm one of those who believes that PowerPoint should be banned. Sorry, folks. Uh, I think it's done great damage to our ability to communicate with each other because it's ruined our speech. Uh, we have far too many people with their backs to an audience reading lines off of a big screen. Uh, nothing gets between an audience and a speaker more than a slide deck. And uh, so we'll save that to uh, my banishment of all slide presentations for another day. But when we talk about how we speak with excellence, again, to each other, uh, it's kind of becoming extinct. Uh, there's this uh, great passage from Mark Twain, uh, who knew a thing or two about putting a phrase together. Uh, really interesting. He wrote a letter to his wife once about a speech that he had just experienced. Uh, and this is how he described it. This is a letter from Mark Twain to his wife. He said, I've, I've just come to my room. I guess this was the memorable night of my life. By George, I never was so stirred since I was born. I heard four speeches which I can never forget. One by that splendid old soul, Colonel Bob Ingersoll. Oh, it was just the supremest combination of English words that was ever put together since the world began. And then he concluded saying, What an organ is human speech when it is played by a master? And that all of us could be a little more masterful uh, as we speak to one another. And sadly, the, the path of least resistance for our public discourse today is what I described earlier. You demonize your opponent, you gin up your supporters, you use that anger, fear, frustration, stir the passions, get that divisive language in, use a pejorative to describe the other person. And while that kind of approach creates a lot of heat, it doesn't create any light and it actually keeps us a very safe distance from actually solving problems or inspiring people to better solutions. As I always say, words have meaning, and meaning matters. Tone matters. Style matters. Uh, often that tone and style can obscure the substance of our words and, and the meaning. And irrespective of poly, uh, party politics, the speeches most often recalled from history are not those silly, I think they're silly, fiery red meat rhetoric variety, whether they're for the left or for the right, but they're the reflective, instructive, constructive in both substance and style kind of speeches. We all recall that Abraham Lincoln called on our better angels. John F. Kennedy challenged us to ask what we can do for our country. Martin Luther King invited us to look at the content of a person's character. Ironically and even tragically, Bobby Kennedy delivered one of the most powerful speeches ever given, standing in the back of a pickup truck in a hostile environment from scribbled notes delivering the news of Dr. King's tragic death. He did it from an authentic point of view, having lost his brother, President Kennedy, to an assassin's bullet and then powerfully issuing an inspired call to unity. And so for me, excellent speeches never require shouts or insults or demonization or self-aggrandizement. The best speakers let the words, the principles, the ideas lift the listeners to higher ground. The right speech, based on the right principles, should actually quicken the heartbeat a little bit, heighten the senses, and cause the listener to lean in 
with anticipation. Uh, actually, I actually have to tell you that the greatest compliment I have ever received after giving a speech came uh, from an event I did up near Seattle, Washington. And as I left the stage, uh, this gentleman approached me and he said very simply, Boyd, thank you for not getting in the way of the message. Uh, that was a very high compliment. And it made me think back to our conversation earlier this week with Mac Wilbur, who regularly tells the members of the Tabernacle Choir, if you're going to be good at this, you have to listen louder than you sing. And we all could use that in our contempt-filled world. If we just listened a little louder than we talked, if we listened and reflected a little more than we posted with exclamation points and all caps, it would change the conversation. It would unite the nation. It lead us to higher ground and better solutions to a host of issues that we face in this world. To influence or be influenced by words and ideas, stories, principles, and truth is part of what makes us both human and divine, I believe. And I think it's way past time to re-enthrone superior teaching, civil debate, elevated oratory to the public square. It's a good day for all of us to talk about speaking with excellence. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today here on KSL News Radio. And as always, as you go out into the world today, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that makes a difference. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. Listen on any smart speaker and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, You need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.